not a birth certificate, Candy. And people are trying to figure out why isn't he giving his birth certificate. It's not a birth certificate. What exactly happened on 9-11? How did they know who did this so quickly like they did Lee Harvey Oswald? The official story of Sandy Hook has more holes in it than Swiss cheese. Tonight we start with proof the deep state is real in America. Conspiracy theories have taken center stage in American politics today. But then we noticed a virus. This is a planetary takeover plan. Fauci and Bill Melinda Gates own the virus. They patented it two years Final ago. testing. So when you're tested, it gives them an opportunity to contaminate you. then mandate mandatory vaccines. You've heard three or four different concepts as to how it came out. When the coronavirus pandemic hit America, frontline filmmaker Michael Kirk was already working on a film investigating the role of political conspiracy theories in our democracy. There's been a kind of concerted effort, now that everything has moved from the fringe to the center, to knock down knowledge-based information. And all of a sudden, a large number of Americans simply do not believe what they're being told. And that's where we find ourselves now. In this episode, Michael Kirk on how fringe conspiracy theories have become central to understanding the nation's response to the coronavirus outbreak. I'm Rainey Aronson, and this is the Frontline Dispatch. The Frontline Dispatch is made possible by the Abrams Foundation, committed to excellence in journalism, and by the WGBH Catalyst Fund. Support for the Frontline Dispatch also comes from the Massachusetts General Hospital Cancer Center. Early detection is key to catching and treating many cancers. You can learn more about the innovative programs at massgeneral.org cancer. Mass General Cancer Center. Every day amazing. So, Mike, you know, you and I are so used to sitting across the table and just talking. And uh, today we're talking remotely, which is, of course, a sign of the times. But thanks for joining me on the Dispatch. It's absolutely my pleasure, Rainey. Over the years, you and I have long talked, I mean, this is now going on almost a decade, talked about conspiracy theories, how they take hold, how they spread. And, uh, you know, we've always wondered what the right timing was for a big film on conspiracy theories. So I want you to talk to us about why now? Well, I think uh, one of the things we've discovered, Rainey, in all the years of making these films about Washington and the White House and the presidency is the extent to which... uh, uh, to try to come up with a sort of unifying explanation of why what is happening in America's politics was happening, especially when we experienced in the 2008-2009 time period uh, the rise of the Tea Party uh, mm-hmm. in America. And we wondered, how, how does something like that get started? How does it grow? How does it influence our politics? And, 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 and as you know from our earlier discussion of whether we should make this film or not, we came to the belief that the conspiracy theories are central to America's politics uh, right now, for sure, and have been growing that way through the Obama administration and up to now. They've been with us forever, but they are central mm. now to, I think, what's happening in our politics. You're a director who loves to tell a story through people. So, Mike, who's been central in your in your character portraits? Well, the way we're telling our story is through the rise of Alex Jones. It is Monday, May 18th, the year of 2020. And this is the emergency transmission for the pro-human future. 
we have a great responsibility here on the broadcast to really lay out the enemy plan. And I dare say, if you choose to accept this mission, you have an incredible responsibility because we have a real chance of stopping the new world order. His rise is the rise of conspiracy theory in American politics. Hmm. You watch him uh, starting back with uh, 9-11 and moving to, uh, to this moment now where he has literally gone from the fringe right into the Oval Office. Many people in the film call uh, President Trump the conspirator-in-chief because he does have a conspiratorial mindset and has had it all of his career. But Jones and Trump are connected uh, in 2015-2016 by Roger Stone, who becomes the sort of second major character in the film. Uh, mm. and, and all of whatever they talk about in that incredible summer is amplified by Vladimir Putin and Russia. And it is all in the service of Donald Trump and Trump's presidency. We get the left in there pretty substantially after Trump is elected. But in these incredibly important years, it is uh, through Jones that you can watch the growth, the power, the reach of the modern political conspiracy. So Stone, Jones, and Trump, what is that moment? When is that? What happens? What goes down? So uh, Alex Jones was once upon a time a fringe, uh, uh, you know, late night access uh, TV guy in Austin, Texas. And now, live from Austin, Texas, Alex Jones. Well, I've been warning you about it for at least five years. All terrorism that we've looked at from the World Trade Center to Oklahoma City to Waco has been government actions. They need this as a pretext to bring you and your family martial law. Hmm. His fame is accentuated by the fact that he has figured out how to use the Internet to connect fringe people. Otherwise, you've always had conspiracies, and they were out there passing mimeograph letters back and forth. Once Jones figures out how to build a network from Facebook to Instagram to YouTube, all the ways that you can spread a conspiracy and connect people who believe in them, suddenly he's the guy. Big, powerful force on the fringe. Uh, what he discovers is that it has to, he has to get more and more sort of outrageous, and the conspiracies have to get bigger and bigger. At this time, he's primarily an entertainer and a salesman of uh, supplements, uh, body armor for the coming Armageddon that will come because the world government is going to take over. Forget everything you've been told about long-term food storage. When the collapse happens, MUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since You really can lose weight while you're sleeping. Guaranteed. Alex and his staff have used these pure soap products This is Alex Jones, and I want to tell you about the Silver Lungs Generator. Now you can produce Hi, this is Alex Jones. Did you know that the global elite are now storing non-hybrid seeds in a secret storage Genesis control freaks adding poison to your water and laughing as you get sick and die? Start purifying your water with ProPure. My friends, I've done a lot of research and the best... But by 2012, he realizes that he's got to ramp it up more and more and more. Along comes Newtown. With the latest on the deadly shooting at an elementary school in Newtown, Connecticut, the Sandy Hook School, and it is turning out to be worse than anyone could have imagined. And he becomes famous for saying this is a false flag uh, operation. There was actually not a shooting mm. in Newtown, but uh, a government-sponsored way to get uh, your Second Amendment rights abrogated 
take your guns. So that's his sort of claim to fame, and it's really outrageous uh, what he says. Uh, it gets him in a little bit of trouble, but it's trouble is his middle name by now, and he's making a tremendous amount of money, and his audience is huge, but it's on the fringe. He needs, if he wants to get into politics at all, he needs a politician who needs him and needs his audience. Uh, Roger Stone, an outrageous figure by his own account, I just interviewed Roger, he's a true character in American politics and a a powerful one. Let me uh, give you Roger Stone's bio just so you know who he is in case you don't. Roger Stone's a veteran of non-Republican presidential campaigns, serving Richard Nixon, Ronald Reagan, Senator Bob Dole, to his subsequent regret, both George Bush, 41 and 43. Stone's a New York Times bestselling author, and Donald Trump called him a patriot and a tough cookie. Uh, Mr. Stone, thanks for coming on with us. Alex, thanks once again for having me. You bet. Where do you want to go first? Let's talk about uh, the uh, media savagery of Donald J. Trump. I must tell you, not since I saw Richard Nixon... You think of him because of some of the things that he says and does as maybe a a really marginal kind of person, a little bit like you would have thought of, uh, of Alex Jones. But actually, he's been there since the very, very beginning. And he has a very close uh, personal relationship with Donald Trump in 2015. And he knows that Trump, what Trump knows, and Trump knows that in order to break out of the pack of all the establishment Republicans, he needs to activate fringe, angry people Hmm. who have probably not been in politics before. So by joining up, by deciding to join up with Alex Jones, who needs uh, political uh, juice and cred to keep his audience going and is interested in American politics. He hasn't been that political other than uh, fearing world government. He hasn't picked a candidate ever. So all of a sudden, Roger Stones appears on Alex Jones' program. They hit it off. They have uh, a countless number of appearances. And finally, uh, uh, Jones secures what he wants and Trump secures what he wants, which is an interview on the Alex Jones program. Donald Trump is our guest, ladies and gentlemen, for the next 30 minutes or so. And obviously he is a maverick. He's an original. He tells it like it is. Doesn't read off a teleprompter. Neither do I. He's self-made. This whole media operation that reaches 20 million people a week worldwide, conservatively self-made. That's why I'm so excited. And he joins us from Trump Tower, in New York City, he is the leading 2016 Republican presidential contender. Uh, Donald, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Alex. Great, great to be with you. And that moment is the moment that Alex Jones, A, falls in love, and B, Donald Trump knows that he's going to be able to uh, start to activate all the people who have been with uh, been with Alex Jones and it's not really been people who voted before. One minute left, Donald Trump. What do you have to say about what's coming up? I just want to finish by saying your reputation's amazing. I will not let you down. You will be very, very uh, impressed, I hope. Well, I'm impressed. I mean, you're saying you're fully committed. You know, there's no future if we don't take this country back. Donald Trump, thank you so much, sir. You will be attacked for coming on and we know you know that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now, they're interested. They get interested by listening to Stone and Jones, and more importantly, they're listening to Trump. And Jones is very big on saying that he often says things to Stone on the show. And not very long after that, Trump tends to repeat them in uh, arena 
uh, performances during his campaign. As we've been saying for three years, Hillary is the founder of ISIS along with Obama. President Obama, he is the founder of ISIS. He's the founder of ISIS. And I would say the co-founder would be crooked Hillary Clinton. So suddenly Alex Jones, all the way from the fringes, has landed right at the heart of, uh, of the United States presidential election. Enough so that uh, some people we've talked to in the interviews have said you can attribute Trump's victory to that alliance between Jones, Stone, and Trump. That is such an untold story in terms of our political history, um, especially the contemporary chapter of this history. I, so I was curious, Mike. I mean, obviously, these guys are sharing stories that are resonant. Uh, they're talking about things that people are worried about, anxious about. Can you tell me, what are they talking about? What kind of conspiracy theories are they spreading? And what's the content in those ideas? Yeah, there's two fundamental things that are happening. So Stone has had a sort of second life as a conspiracist uh, when he writes a book about the Kennedy assassination and says mm. there's no way John F. Kennedy was shot by a single gunman uh, in a Texas school book depository. He also has written lots of uh, uh, articles and a book about uh, the Clintons and Bill Clinton's alleged rapes and Hillary's compliance with that. So the Kennedy assassination and the Clinton hatred and hatred of the Bush administration as well. This is a big anti-elite movement that he's bringing uh, uh, to the Jones show. And Jones, of course, uh, spends his whole career uh, very concerned about world government, internationalism, globalism, and the idea that big government, the Clintons, the Bushes, and others, are just waiting for the right moments to institute something that will take guns away from people mm. uh, and get people blocked up. And that, can, that runs the whole gamut from vaccines to almost all of it, including, uh, and where Jones and Stone come together, health problems of Hillary Clinton. Uh, and when they raise in the summer of 2016 the conspiracy that Hillary Clinton is ill, mm -hmm. uh, that really wakes up on Facebook. Well, she was in a hospital for almost a year. She had a bunch of brain surgeries, folks. They've kept her medical records secret. She looks like hell. But, I mean, what's really going on with Hillary? What's the inside intel, Roger? Uh, her health is not good. Bill's health is also not good. She's either had a small stroke uh, or she has had some other disorder. Uh, she seems to be to have no stamina whatsoever. And guess who is paying attention at that moment to that? That's Vladimir Putin and his internet research agency in Moscow. And the way that that goes, according to lots of people we talked to, is they are, the Russians are in the business to amplify the things that people like Jones and Stone talk about. Right. So I was curious, um, before we get to coronavirus um, and the specific conspiracies around that, um, you're making a big documentary. You're sharing in part conspiracy theories. How do you walk that fine line of not amplifying this, but also trying to understand and get underneath this movement in a way that isn't just adding more of this into the universe of our media world? You're right about that, Rainey. How do we walk the line between actually just talking about it 
and it, and making it somehow true. I think it's very clear from the very beginning what's at work here, what the nature of a conspiracy is, why people believe in conspiracies. We have two very good uh, and experienced uh, uh, authors who have written about this in some detail. And, of course, we've talked to the people uh, who have been victimized or uh, impacted by uh, the conspiracies themselves, especially around Newtown. It'll be pretty clear in watching the film what's going on here. And when you ask the fundamental question, which I've asked of the 30 or so people we've interviewed for the film, why do people believe this? And the answer is, we're all looking for answers that are uh, 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 proportional to the event. When we talk about the death of or the murder of John F. Kennedy, uh, the reason so many conspiracy theories grow up around that, according to the experts we talked to, is because the proportions are wrong. One guy, all that havoc, the death of the president of the United States, oh my God, the right. entire change in America, one guy did that? No way. That's the CIA. That's the Russian. That's a massive conspiracy, right? Right. So the same becomes true for almost everything uh, that comes down the line. How can you explain coronavirus, or how can you explain almost any of the issues that come forward without uh, without saying it cannot possibly be? It has to be bigger than that. You mean you're telling me that this thing that's destroying the world is the result of one little act somewhere? No, no, it's got to be bigger than that. It's got to have an intention to it. Right. And what people like Alex Jones, uh, Roger Stone, and Donald Trump, uh, and, and conspiracists on the left are able to do is they're able to connect the dots for people with what feels like a coherent answer to a problem that makes them feel powerless if they don't have some kind of an answer. I'll be back to talk more to Michael Kirk right after this quick message. The journalism behind the Frontline Dispatch is possible thanks to the support of you, our listeners. And we've got some really great news to share. Our friends at the Ruggles Family Foundation have agreed to match your gift to the Dispatch, dollar for dollar, up to $10,000. Please help us take full advantage of this generosity and assist us in reaching our goal today. Remember, every dollar you give is doubled. So join us in supporting journalism that holds our leaders and government to account and pursues the truth wherever it may lead us by making a gift today. Thank you so much. Support for the Frontline Dispatch comes from Mass General Cancer Center. When facing the unknown, it is often the small acts of courage that we experience in our daily lives that power us to face another day. We're all in this together. So, Mike, I want to shift to um, the coronavirus itself. And so you're, you're producing this film well before... And, you know, I can remember vividly before we all had to leave the offices, our, our, our conversations around this film and how um, urgent it felt at the time. Then coronavirus hits. What's going through your mind? Were you looking to see when would conspiracy theories start to um, bubble up? And what did you see? Well, there was really no doubt. We were shooting in New York a series of interviews we had shot, and it was basically the week of March 12th. So we're in New York, we're shooting interviews about conspiracies, about all the things you and I have just been talking about, and uh, with experts and, and, and people who do it and all kinds of things like that. And we keep hearing news reports. 
and we keep hearing about this rising crisis <laughs> and that it's coming. And we've been talking about it before, but we're in New York now and we start hearing there's going to be a lockdown. In other words, right. very early, a coronavirus conspiracy is uh, uttered in our presence. And people say, and people were starting to come to do interviews with gloves on and, you know, sanitize sanitizers with them. And they were looking at us. These are people who are in the middle of the conspiracy world. And they were saying, the Chinese have released a bioweapon in the wow. United States of America. It's going to take over New York and it's going to shut New York down. You guys better get out of town. And we said, well, the better part of uh, valor is for us to uh, to get out of here. We rented a car, wiped it down, and drove back in the middle of the night and started to invent a new way to shoot so that we could, uh, we could finish the film and certainly began to research what's going on with the coronavirus uh, conspiracies. So, I mean, it's interesting that they came in with the conspiracy theory that this was being spread by China and and there was a conspiratorial aspect to that. But the idea that New York would shut down, if they start to spread that idea and then New York shuts down, what happens to people listening to those conspiracy theories? Do they believe it more? I mean, this is what I'm trying to get underneath. Like, So does that mean then people start to think, well, they were right? Yes, I mean, the beauty of big, powerful conspiracy theories is that they often seem to be right. We all remember Watergate. You know, we all remember uh, information about WMD. Mm. We all remember that those were conspiracy theories. At one moment, people were saying, wait a minute, the Bush administration doesn't have any proof for this. And a lot of people, progressives, said, yeah, that's right. But uh, it was viewed as a really crazy thing to assert at the moment. So enough things happen uh, that come from conspiracy theories that people do believe them, especially a certain cohort. And in this case, you had a large group of Americans who already are used to having stars like Jerome Corsi, who was in the film, Alex Jones, and and others who they know. These people are the sort of rock stars of, of conspiracies, and they know and trust them. And when they start to say, especially in the very beginning, this is, a, this is not a virus that's going to come. This is a, a media hoax. And it's a desire to blame President Trump. A lot mm-hmm. of people who were his supporters and in his base really, of course, believe that, especially when Fox is heralding it. And, uh, and it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a desire to shift the blame to Trump, is what they all said. And a lot of people believe that when, when the virus itself started to show up and people started to die and broke out in Seattle and was on its way to New York, that's when the uh, that's when the message that coronavirus was intentionally spread by Chinese operatives got going. And a lot of people needing an explanation for what was happening uh, began to believe that. Right. So, is that the top conspiracy theory? Is that is that the one that's gotten the most traction? No. Yeah. No, tell no. me. Tell me. What's the one that's gotten the most traction? It gets better than that. So early, you have the left and the media hoax to blame Trump. Then it's coronavirus is intentionally spread by Chinese operatives. That makes a comeback a little later, but at the time that was everything. Then, uh, uh, or right around that time, another group of people, the anti-vaxxers, were very big on the mm. idea that the virus is is being uh, 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 acted on because of uh, as a result of population control efforts by uh, Bill Gates 
and uh, and uh, Bill Gates becomes the new George Soros of this particular issue. The idea that he wants to plant, that they want to plant, uh, that the Gates Foundation wants to get into vaccines, but it also wants to right. plant uh, devices in people, microchips. That becomes a huge part yeah. of. Wait a minute, we don't we don't want anything from that. Then, of course, that uh, morphs into the deep state plot to eliminate freedom, which is a lot of what you're seeing now. Take a look behind me here. They are still lining the streets. They are still blaring the horns, many with signs saying that essentially liberty and the governor's executive order have little to do with each other. A lot of frustration out here on the streets. They wanted gridlock it's and they are getting it. rallied outside the state capitol against the governor's stay-at-home orders. Those quote, they've called the shots. The president is now encouraging some states to, quote, liberate. Virginia with respect to the Second Amendment is just a horrible thing. They did a horrible thing, the governor. It's this idea that the governors, not the president, but the governors are shutting down uh, your constitutional opportunity to uh, be free of movement, to be happy, to work. And that's really what you're feeling now. You're feeling people who are angry, uh, who are being told their guns are going to be taken away, they have to stay home, they don't have freedom of movement. So it's all become a civil rights argument now and a gun rights argument. Right. And when, uh, when, when people are hearing that their freedom is truly under threat and, and that they should prepare to fight, that's a, that's a combustible mix rating from what I can tell. I was not surprised but alarmed at how the movie Plandemic that was on YouTube and then taken off and then spread around the universe, um, how how quickly that took hold. Can you just talk briefly about that? People are hungry to know something, to have it explained, to have the inexplicable explained to them in a coherent way. Mm. Uh, and even if everything about it is debunked, is seriously ridiculous, is uh, outrageously wrong, if it makes a kind of sense to them, and especially if elites and knowledge-based institutions, and sadly, people like Tony Fauci, uh, uh, say this isn't true, this can't be true, that in a way blesses it. A slew of COVID-19 misinformation has been going viral on social media. One video making the rounds so is called Plandemic. Pandemic conspiracy theory now floating about, which alleges that coronavirus was engineered to increase vaccinations. The well, Plandemic rich. video went viral on a wide range of platforms, including Facebook. Internet video known as Plandemic. It makes some very controversial claims about the COVID-19 pandemic leading critics to call it simply a mashup of conspiracy theories put together in one video. This is the bind journalism is in. This is the bind universities are in. This is the bind experts like Fauci and Redfield are in. How do you, how do you convince people who just simply don't believe it and for years have been conditioned not to believe experts? So when a pandemic like uh, coronavirus hits, People want expect a big reason why it's happening, a huge reason uh, what's going on, uh, a way that it can be explained. And if somebody can put together a 10 or 12 or 20 minute video and have a story that involves all of the other elements that always exist, big government, elites, 
the rejection by powerful people, an effort to keep information away from the little guy in a way that really feels, uh, oh yeah, that's what they're doing all right. Should Facebook, should they shut that down, knowing that it's wrong? It's, you know, nonsense. Should they shut it down just because of that? Well, who's playing God here? I think it's a legitimate argument in a democracy. What do you do about that? For years now, you've covered politics or economy, national security. I'm just curious, how do you weigh this moment, especially regarding truth and um, the infodemic that you described? How do you weigh this up against the other threats that you've covered before? This is the coming together of all of the things uh, we've reported for decades now. This is, take them all, take WMD, take torture, take a, a, hmm. a war in Iraq, take 9-11, go back to things that happened during the Clinton-Bush uh, administration, the first Gulf War, take all of it, all of it, and put it in the social upheaval in the society. The financial collapse in 2008, just list them, boom, 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 all the things we've reported on for all these decades. This feels to me and the team I'm working with as the, as the big a moment. This is where it all comes together. And conspiracies are at the heart of it, of course, because they've all grown out of all those other events. It really is the fundamental moment, from my point of view, for everybody, uh, the people who are living through it especially, but those of us who are trying to tell the story and sort out what is truth, what is a fact you can believe in. Uh, in these times, it is an extremely important and I think daunting task. Thanks for talking. It's always one of my biggest pleasures. And uh, I can't thank you enough for coming on The Dispatch with us and helping us understand some of these really big issues. Well, thank you, Rainey. It's always great to talk to you and especially to work with you on these important things. Thanks, Mike. You can read more stories from Frontline's coverage of the coronavirus pandemic at Frontline.org. This podcast was produced by Max Green and James Edwards. Our production assistant is Lucy Sullivan. Production help in this episode from Brooke Nelson. Catherine Greibert is our editorial coordinating producer. Pam Johnson is Frontline's Senior Director of Strategy and Audience. Our senior editors are Sarah Childress and Lauren Azell. Andrew Metz is our Managing Editor, and I'm Rainey Aronson, Executive Producer of Frontline. Music in this episode is by Stellwagen Symphonette. The Frontline Dispatch is produced at WGBH and powered by PRX.